ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the True American Art Podcast. I am your host, Anderson Beck, and this is a very special episode, primarily because it is the only episode, but there shall be more to come. Now, before we get to today's stories, I will briefly go over the basic gist of the show. The True American Art Podcast is dedicated to bringing you, the viewer, information about history and music, while trying to be at least a little entertaining. In the near future, I will be having guests on to help me with stories and, you know, just have fun and chat with. If you know me and you're interested in being on, feel free to DM me on the podcast's Instagram account, Podcast underscore official, and that's all uh, lowercase. Now, let's get into this episode. Alright, so today is the day of days. By reading the title, you know that we will be discussing the beginning of World War II and the events leading up to it. Now, there is a lot to unpack, and I will try to run through some of the big causes really quick, so try to bear it with me. The most important countries that will be mentioned today are Germany, Britain, France, Poland, Japan, and China. Or I shouldn't say today, more likely in, in this section of the war history, I guess you'd say. Um, our story begins today on June 28th, 1919 exactly five years after Archduke Franz Ferdinand was assassinated. World War I had been over for seven months already, and it was on this uh, summer day that the remnants of the Central Powers, soon to be the Axis Powers, signed the Treaty of Versailles in Versailles, France. Many of you may be familiar with this name because it is one of the most important documents in history. This treaty, created by the Allies, imposed very strict and harsh punishments on Germany, brutally regulating their military and completely destroying their economy. Now, really quick, I do want to get it out of the way that I in no way associate with those weird kids that dress up like World War I German soldiers and praise the Kaiser and the Second Reich or whatever. Nevertheless, I do have sympathy for the German citizens living in the aftermath of the Great War. It's hard not to, I mean, once you hear these uh, terms that they had to agree with. These terms led to anger among the once proud people of Germany. It took them to the brink, making Germany a tinderbox in the late 1920s through the mid-1930s, and all they needed was a spark. And subsequently, Adolf Hitler was that spark. Okay, so before we get into him and his Third Reich regime, we must get to the nitty-gritty of the Treaty of Versailles. First, and most importantly, there were big geographical changes for Germany. About 25,000 miles and 7 million people were given up and allocated to other countries such as Poland and Czechoslovakia, to name two. This created some heavy uh, animosity between Germany and its previously owned countries. Also, they couldn't have an army larger than 100,000 soldiers. And putting that into perspective, a week after the First World War had been declared in 1914, the German army had about 3.5 million soldiers. So this new rule was a massive downgrade. The borders had to be demilitarized police forces were reduced, 
and military trade was just banned altogether. Germany could not have in any military planes, tanks, armored cars, or chemical weapons, which they were famous for using in World War I. Germany had to hand over an estimated of $5 billion in gold, along with other goods like ships, food, and raw material, leading to a depression of biblical proportions. These agreements led to much civil unrest in Germany and distrust between citizens and government. All this and more paved the way for Hitler to take power. So, without further ado, Adolf Hitler is the first of many historical characters that we will dissect. I have a strong feeling many of you know who he is and what he was all about, but I'm going to try to explain anyway. Adolf Hitler was born in Brunau am Inn, Austria. I hope I didn't butcher that. In his early life, his family moved around a couple times, going in and out of Germany. When Hitler was six years old, his family moved to a farm in Lambach, Austria, where his father farmed and kept bees. He had three other siblings, but they had all died in infancy. Adolf and his father had a rough relationship, to say the least, and that lasted up until his father died in 1903. In 1907, his equivalent of high school, uh, after his equivalent of high school, he just graduated, Hitler applied for a school of fine arts in um, Austria and was famously rejected twice. It makes you ponder the possibilities of what might have happened if he were accepted. On top of being rejected, his mother had died that year when Hitler was 18, leaving him alone in the world. While being alone in Europe at this time in history, he had been led by society to have heavy racist and anti-Semitic views, meaning he began to dislike the Jewish people, anti-Semitism, uh, setting him on his evil path. Hitler enlisted to, German, to the German army in 1914 at the beginning of the war, and, you know, he was a mediocre soldier at best, officer, I should say. Uh, foreshadowing and his mediocrity foreshadows his disastrous decisions in the end of World War II. It was around and after this time in his military that he became an ultra-nationalist. Now, I really quickly want to interject from the story going on right now and explain something. Nationalism and patriotism are two completely different things, and I'm not here to share my political beliefs at all, and like I said, I just want to provide interesting historical information in an entertaining way. But this is a common misconstrued, misconstrued belief. Patriotism is when you love your country and are proud of it, like myself, and I believe that that is completely fine. Nationalism is similar to patriotism, but it is radical and dangerous. It is when you believe your country is the best, which is an okay thing to believe, but the bad thing is that uh, it's when you're trying to hurt or take advantage of other countries and people to ensure that your country is the best. Now, back to the main story. Now, Hitler, while being a very mediocre officer, had his moments of bravery. He was present at many famous battles, very awful and tough battles in World War I, and he was awarded the Distinguished Iron Cross for bravery at the Battle of the Somme, and darkly ironically was recommended for this award by his superior officer Hugo Gutmann, who was Jewish. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, this concludes our episode for today. There will be a part two coming in a bit, but we have to start the music segment of our podcast in the next episode. If you want to leave feedback, you can do so on the Instagram account, which again is TTAA podcast uh, underscore official. Or if you go on to Anchor, the place where I record these uh, episodes, you can leave comments or even leave an audio message that I can respond to if you'd like that. Um, I want to make an important note again that I in no way, shape or form agree with Hitler and the Nazi party at all. I'm just here to report the facts as I have researched them. Thank you for listening, and I'm sorry to have split this in half. I was just—it was just a planning error on my part, and yeah, um, it takes quite a bit to write these episodes, and yeah, uh, I, I bet you guys understand. Uh, my name is Anderson Beck, and this was the True American Art Podcast, Episode One. See you guys later. <laughs>